This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 Virtual Ticket Presenting Sponsor, Amazon Music. Uh, hi, everybody. So first things first, just to where we can tailor this a little bit, by a show of hands, who, have li- who, have li- who has listened to like one episode of this show? Okay. Like, uh, yeah, not bad. All right. So I'll kind of straddle the line between the two. So 20,000 Hertz is a show about sound, very, uh, very lovingly crafted. It came out of my sound design studio that I started 13 years ago called DeFacto Sound. And over the course of um, four or five years into the business, uh, I, I'd heard this quote about that great companies can capitalize on their waste. And I loved podcasts. I love radio. And I thought, what's the waste in this company? And it was unbilled time. And it also allowed for me to uh, give something creative to the team when I'm stressing out trying to find work. So that usually they're like bugging me, Dallas, what do I do? What do I do? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm terrified because I need to get work. So this was uh, like this creative uh, thing that started out of the studio that just kind of spiraled out into its own world. Uh, very thankful for that. So I'm Dallas. Uh, I'm Casey, a supervising producer and story editor. Uh, Casey has described that as the bridge troll of uh, story. Uh, nothing gets on the feed without Casey doing um, multiple passes on it. Um, our show takes roughly, on average, about 250 to 300 hours to make through all of these processes, which we're going to do a very rapid-fire uh, version just to show you just boom, 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 exactly how we make a show. Uh, per episode, yeah. And um, you're, feel free to take photos. Feel free to, t- to, to like, tweet. We are, we're on DeFacto Sound at, on Instagram and 20korg uh, on Twitter. Uh, there's going to be lots of cool stuff to look at. Uh, hopefully, it will be helpful. Um, anything else? No, I think that's, that's it. So why don't we just dive right into this? So first things first, we have a little... We use Trello for most of the things that we do. Even when we're scheduling our uh, sound design studio, we use Trello for that. This is simply just a place where we can drop interesting tidbits about strategy and ideas. We don't necessarily look at this very often, but I do believe in the power of just writing something down and putting it somewhere. Maybe that just goes somewhere in the back of my brain. Uh, but, uh, but it is a place that we'll just drop thoughts on. But this is really what we do a lot more of. The question that I get a lot is, aren't you worried that we're gonna run out of stories? And um, that, not at all. Uh, we have probably 400, I haven't even looked at it lately, so I've been saying three or 400 for years now, so it, I don't know how many there are. It's, it's actually clipped off on the left side where we just put raw story ideas. We get them from all kinds of places. We get them just if I have a thought, and I'm like, oh, that would be a neat story. I want to get it out of my brain. I'll put it on here. Uh, other ways that we receive story ideas is through listeners, uh, through hi at 20k.org and through Twitter and all of those things. Uh, No matter what, if it just has any sort of idea that sounds like it would be a 20K show, we drop it on the far left of this list. Now, what comes into frame here is the favorites that I like. Sometimes, when I have time, I'll look through all of these raw 
story ideas and I'll drag over things that I just like. I'm not doing any research on it. I'm just thinking this creates curiosity for me, so I'm gonna drop it over here. When I have more time, I will take that and then further weed that down into this ready to green light Trello column. These are things that if the right writer comes along, we work with external writers on purpose because we don't, we're very soundy and so we have a bias to how technically detailed it can get. And so we, we always love having a writer who's just an amazing writer who will do, their, do what they can to, to write a show about sound and then we're there to, to kind of further solve you know, the way that the nuances of communication. Um, so ready to green light, these are things, if we have the right writer who looks at this, a lot of times new writers will bring them into this Trello board and say, if there's anything to the left that you just really want to make, uh, let us know and we'll put your face on it. Um, so then we have that, then it moves over to the holding thing. This is when a writer's like, this, I want this. I'm not, I don't have time for this, but I want this show. So we put them on the holding uh, column there. And inside this, this is where we keep our show ideas and research and if there's an article that pops up that's on um, Apple Sounds or something that I find online, I'll go, oh, I'll put it here uh, in, this, in this card. So where we just have all of our research in one place. That moves over to uh, the interview and the writing phase. These are things that are, uh, I don't even know if these are currently in production, but these are things being made, so actively in pre-production or interviews and whatnot. Everything from the middle to the right, that's like our brand Bible, our store, like our uh, standard operating procedures, all of the creative boxes that we put ourselves into uh, to, to say this is what the show's about, here's how we make it, here are the rules that we have, uh, essentially. And so that, uh, and so this is one Trello board that a new writer can come into and get a lot of information on the way that we think and then kind of look to the left and these are all the things in the pipeline that we would love to make. And with that, um, I will hand this over to Casey. Now we're gonna pretend like we're starting on an episode. So this is typically what we will start with. All right. There we go. So after we have greenlit a topic and uh, are ready to roll on it, first thing that we want to do is make an outline. So we're going to think about the kind of emotional theme of the episode, whether we want it to be quirky and funny or mysterious or heartwarming or sad. Um, and then we're also going to outline the story beats as we see them from our initial research. Um, we're going to yeah, really think about creating an arc, maybe having some kind of tease or turn right before the mid-roll to keep people around, and think about how it all resolves. Um, and on top of that, this is where we're going to outline the guests that we want for each episode. We're probably going to put five or six on there. Uh, and then in our kickoff meeting with the producer, we're going to whittle that down to maybe two or three top choices for guests. All right. Up next, we are going to send the guest a release form that goes through hello sign. Just kind of cross our T's and dot our I's on the legal front with a release form. And very important for our show is uh, getting a good mic situation with every guest. So as a show about sound, uh, we always want our guests to sound fantastic. So we're never going to go with AirPods or with a built-in computer microphone. Um, so... As we're scheduling that guest, we're going to ask them if they have their own mic that they can use. If they do, we'll, we'll get a mic sample from them, just kind of a maybe 10-second testing one, two, three sample. Um, so we can evaluate that. If they don't have one or if we're not happy with a mic sample, then we will order one and ship it to them, which will be theirs to keep. Um, 
in that case, we pretty much always run with this Audio-Technica ATR2100X USB microphone that you see on the screen there. Um, it's just a good, about $100 uh, dynamic microphone, which is good for um, eliminating much background noise, uh, dynamic mic. Uh, as you can see, the stand is a little short, so we often suggest that people get a stack of books, put it in front of them to really get that mic just a couple inches from their face. And it, it sounds pretty darn good. I'm, I'm generally not a condenser fan, um, because if I was on a condenser, you hear back there and out there and down the street and then three miles away. So uh, I like having a good dynamic microphone that's just going to get rid of just as much gunk in the environment as possible. Because even with my mic, my SM7B, I could I could probably record something right here, and it would be almost worth putting on the, the show. I'd, I'd be surprised if we couldn't even get out the any sort of reverb. Uh, so it's just very consistent in the way that uh, dynamics work, so I'm a big fan. Um, so once we've uh, got the mic situation sorted out, we're going to draft our interview questions. Um, using our outline and initial research as a guide, kind of put them in the order that we had in our outline to kind of start to build that story structure right in the interview questions themselves. Of course, if uh, you know the guest brings up some interesting topic over the course of the interview, we're going to let the conversation go in that new and interesting direction. Um, but really just trying to tease out that story, get out all the, all the background details. Um, if it's a, let's say it's a sound designer talking about how they created a sonic logo, uh, we're going to ask them, you know, what was the creative brief? What were you trying to achieve emotionally with this uh, sonic logo? Were there versions that you uh, tried but didn't end up using or, or proto versions? And we love it when they can share those files with us directly and play them on the show. That's always a great reveal. Um, another thing that, that I've noticed in, in interviews in general is that it takes usually 30 to 40 minutes for this tr new level of trust to happen between you and a guest. And uh, so I leave certain things at the end intentionally. One of those, the, the earliest problems that I tried to think about how to solve was how do we make a, like a sound that's innocuous and someone makes it, how do we make a narrative and it turns into something that's really powerful at the end? Because I believe that if we just told you how it works, that's one thing, but if we can, if we can weave the human uh, element to it and, the, and the, the pain and the struggle and all kinds of things, like if we can attach this sound to an emotion, I feel like that goes deeper into us, and it, it's just deeper. I feel like things stick much more deeply if you can make something emotional. So one of the problems was, how do we end this show? Uh, even early on, like, first few episodes, I was like, how do we make the, how do we just not drop off a cliff? Okay, well, that's how it's done. Till next time. And we do that through three strategic questions at the end. Um, so those questions, God, what's the very first question? The, Anything else we haven't discussed? That one, the classic. It's just like, okay, thanks for that. Is there anything else that we have not discussed that you would like to, uh, you know, say? And typically, it'll sound exactly like this. Anybody who's done used that, it'll be like, um, no, I think we got it all. Um, but, and then proceed with about two minutes of a perfect summary that we're going to use in the show. Uh, so they just eloquently just recap the entire thing beautifully. But that doesn't really give us like an emotional hook. So the next question I usually ask is, why does this even matter? Like this specific thing that you do, I'm not sure what this is. What, oh, we were talking, this one was our, our, our um, dinosaur episode. I'd be like, so 
you know, why, why do, does it even matter that we're thinking about dinosaur sounds? I mean, it's really cool. I'm just doing this just to kind of get something. But it's like, what, you know, why does this even matter? And I'm strategically slowing down because I want that to be mimicked. I will just say in general, you need to project what you want to get back. And so that even being an interviewer is a performance unto itself. Even if we cut, we cut every bit of uh, the interviewer out uh, of our show generally, uh, unless it's really interesting. So why does this matter? Silence, then poetry, because this person has been thinking about this forever. If this is a professor and a paleontologist, you're gonna get something amazing out of that, that question. Uh, then still, I wanna push it even further, because sometimes you know, I still wanna try to get that emotion. Then I'll make it even more personal, and I'll say, out of all the things that you could have done with your life, there's so many ways to make money, there's so many ways to make a living, there's so many, you know, you have to sacrifice to do this. Why does, you know, the sound, why does, like, making a sound for a TV show, like, why do you, why have you personally devoted your life to this pursuit? then it's just amazing, then it's just gorgeous because this person has legitimately spent decades in this pursuit. And, and honestly, I don't know if that question has ever been asked. Uh, I've had a few people immediately get emotional at, the, at even hearing the question uh, because it's, uh, it, 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 I don't know, it's kind of like a, I think it's a loving question to ask someone, especially if they spend so much time doing it. And so uh, oftentimes I'm very strategically being quiet and slow I ask that question and then I sit back. I legitimately sit back from my microphone and there's uh, probably a good five or 10 seconds of just collecting thoughts. They speak really slow. Some people get extremely emotional and uh, it's, it's really powerful. So there's that human element that we go, okay, that's, we've ended most of our shows probably with one of those questions and that's how we've manufactured in a, in a human way something that could just be here's you know step one was this step two was this step three three was, was this and we're done all right but we want to we want to attach like emotion because these people are creatives and they're you know they 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 spend they, they spend a lot of time thinking about this so yeah, i think we can move on to the next one all right so in terms of conducting the actual recording um we use a browser-based platform called clean feed we've tried out a bunch of different different platforms and tested them in all kinds of different ways, intentionally trying to break them. And CleanFeed is the one that we consistently can't break. It's the most reliable, and so that's why we've stuck with it. Um, essentially, how it works is you pay to just have uh, a recording room, virtual room that you have. And so the day of the interview, you log on as the host, and you send the guest a unique URL, which will get them into your recording room. Uh, you can make it so it's an invite that you click accept, and they get in there. And then as the host, you're just running that recording. They can select their microphone. Uh, we always have one of our sound engineers pop on right at the beginning and make sure the mic is sounding as expected, make sure they've selected the right mic, give them any tips like, oh, is there any way you could move to a room with more soft surfaces or room with a little less noise? Can you maybe get a little closer to the mic, etc.? But uh, once that's all sorted, then we're recording. And a uh, great thing about CleanFeed, if the guest uh, loses their Wi-Fi signal or accidentally closes the browser, the recording is not broken. It just keeps going. They can get right back on through the same link, and you don't lose anything. So as long as you as the host don't leave that tab, um, it's, it's all going to work as expected. It records to a multi-track wave, 
Um, so it's going to sound good at the end. You can download the the files as you record anytime to just make sure, like, oh, okay, we're maybe halfway through. I'm going to do a download. Just make sure I have everything. Um, so we really like it. And uh, you can also, as you can kind of see in this image here, you can upload sound files in advance and play clips for both you and the guest to hear. That'll record to its own its own track. Um, so that's especially great. Like, let's say the sound designer sent you all their rough versions of this Sonic logo uh, that they worked on. You can have those in advance and say, tell me about this one. Or what, you know, what did you have in mind with this one? And you both hear it. Uh, so that's clean feed. If in rare cases where the guest does not have access to a good mic, let's say they can only do the interview tomorrow and there's no time to ship them a mic in advance, uh, we can record through just the uh, the voice recorder app on kind of the built-in voice recorder app on an iPhone or Android phone. Those actually do produce a pretty darn good uh, recording in our experience. Not quite as good as um, like that Audio-Technica mic, but pretty darn good. Um, as long as the guest holds it up to their phone like they're talking on a phone call rather than in front of their face like they're talking into a mic. So we have this kind of guide that we can send to guests in the rare cases uh, where we need to do that to just give them some kind of tips and tricks to make that sound good. And with that voice memos, that's the thing where people are like, oh, I don't remember voice memos sounding that great. But there's a great setting that you go into your phone, settings, voice memos, change it from compressed to lossless. And it gets us further. Um, one of the biggest shows we ever did was uh, uh, deconstructing the Netflix to dumb sound that had never been told before somehow. Uh, and we had to do that with the key interviews because uh, the pandemic had just happened. And so we couldn't get a lot of things to them. And we we're still struggling just to figure out how to make that work. But um, this is gone. Uh, this ha we have used this for key interviews before. It's not my favorite, but it is much better than a Zoom or something that's very room verby. Uh, another service that we do like to use sometimes is called Telby. Uh, this is essentially a virtual voicemail service. So if we want to get the voices of our listeners onto the show, uh, this is a great way to do it. So let's say we're going to do an episode about HBO's Sonic branding. Um, a few months before that episode comes out, multiple months, we'll put a promo on our feed just saying, hey, we're working on some episodes about HBO's Sonic logo. And you play it. Like, what, are the, what does that sound remind you of? What memories do you have of that sound? How does it make you feel? To leave us a voicemail, just go to hi.20k.org and leave us a quick message. So then the listener can, through their phone or their computer, either or, uh, go to that web address. There's a purple recording button there. They just click it, and it starts recording. Um, and they can leave a nice message about, you know, when I was eight years old, I remember hearing that sound. I got so excited all the time. Um, so we can just get these really nice personal anecdotes from listeners and kind of weave those into the episode if we so desire. But... Uh, 20,000 hertz people, why, what about the microphones? Oh no, uh, but what if they're not perfect? When, if it's, when it's just bites and stuff, I love hearing like a phone or a Zoom or whatever. I don't want a key interview to just exhaust someone for 20 minutes uh, on uh, sounding like that. But if it's just a little thought from, from someone, it's just color. I like just the color of, of just hearing gunk. It's fine. Uh, but yeah, as far as, you know, I would say host mic always needs to be as pure and pristine as possible. The, the guests, as much as you can get there. Uh, but as far as just anecdotes and stuff from, you know, a paragraph to a few lines, I don't, I, I just like the color of it. 
Um, so once we've got those interviews done, any Telby recordings like that, all the files get collected in Dropbox, any files that got sent by the guest, examples, um, alternate versions, whatever, uh, we get it all in one neat organized place in Dropbox. And then we are ready to actually start building it out. Um, so we, we use Descript. Um, it's a really great way to combine a script and a, a rough audio cut into one program. So you can search the transcript. You can cop, cut and paste, and you'll be moving the audio around as you do it. But it's non-destructive, so it doesn't actually get rid of anything. Um, so basically, we'll just make one big pro Descript project that has all the interviews, any sound examples or clips that the guests sent, any of those Telby recordings, if we have them for this episode all in one place, and then we'll start a new composition that's like the master script for the episode where we're pulling in the guest bites, we're drafting the VO. Um, you can set the VO to be read by an AI overdub voice, and we've and you can make your own kind of um, deep fake voice. We've actually built a deep fake Dallas voice into Descript using hours of recording of of Dallas. It sounds sounds pretty good. You can tell it's it's a deep fake, but it sounds pretty good. And you can even set the um, the average words per minute. So we've done that to give it the kind of same cadence. So that's just a really good way to get a rough idea of what things are going to sound like in advance um, as you're drafting that VO. You can make sure any edits you're making to the guests sound great, pre like hear it in real time as you're editing it. And you can also start to drop in clips, uh, sound effects, um, some rough music. The libraries, uh, music libraries we primarily use are Musicbed, Epidemic Sound, Sound of Picture, um, and then we have an in-house composer, Wesley Slover, who's really great, who's uh, done a lot of original music for us. So all our producers have access to all of that music. Uh, they can start to select tracks. Of course, a lot of this stuff, um, since our show is so highly produced in sound design, a lot of that stuff is, is rough. It's preliminary. It's probably going to get replaced or heavily changed uh, later on in the process. But it helps to really give a feel for how it's going to sound ultimately. We can even, if, we, if, the, if the producer says, I'm kind of imagining a scene here, it's like a bus station, and then maybe you hear the bus pull up and kids come out of a bus, we can even send that request to one of our sound designers. They can whip something up in Pro Tools and then drop it right into the Descript project so we kind of have a placeholder scene of sound design right in there. Um, so here's just a, an image of kind of a, a Descript composition in progress. You can see at the bottom, that's all the dialogue and VO. And then we've got some of those blue tracks of music and sound effects, stuff like that. Um, once, uh, I would say about four weeks out from when the reviews are done, that's about how long we, we try to give our producers to write the first draft to make that first version. And then we're ready for a review. So. Rather than um, what I'm reviewing with one of our producers, rather than both of us go into that Descript project, we've found that that can be a little clunky. There can be some sync issues, some lag. So the, this, the best way we've found to do it <coughs> is to export a, a doc from Descript. You can just export the text as a doc, and you can export it as an audio file, so as an MP3. So that way, when I'm on a call with our producer, We've got this Google Doc in front of us that we're both in, which is the, the script in its current form, and we can listen to the audio at the same time. Um, we can just kind of play along, play, pause, uh, leave a bunch of notes and comments in the, in the script. We can use the Google Doc suggestion mode to rewrite things, cut and paste, leave all kinds of comments along the side, as you see. And then essentially, the producer can take all those notes and suggestions, go back into script, and use that as their guide to make those changes. 
Um, so we'll do maybe one, uh, a couple rounds of, of reviews like that, uh, maybe about a week each time for the producer to make those updates. Um, and then typically in that process, uh, either on a final review with the writer, or if I still feel like it needs a fair amount of work, uh, then I'll do my story edit. Um, but some somewhere in those final phases of, of review there is when we bring Dallas back into the equation to, to hear it. So I intentionally am not a part of almost everything you just heard. Uh, I am a part of the outline, just thinking, oh, it would be cool if we did this or that or this or that. Then I completely remove, I'm removed from the process until we've gone through, or Casey's gone through a couple of reviews with the uh, writer, uh, or sometimes even after Casey, because it's really hard to get that first impression. And as the host of the show, I want to be able to hear my show as intended um, with that listener ear. So if I'm on every single piece of that, uh, that in, in, if I'm on everything along the way, sometimes I'm just like, I know so many extraneous things that I think is assumed in the script. Whereas if I come to it and I don't know what's going on, I just had a loose idea, almost like a description in, a, in, a, uh, in the podcast, uh, then I get to come into it and enjoy it as a listener. And I also get to really nitpick the way that I'm saying things or um, you bounce back and forth with Casey or the writer uh, if we have time, we may be listening to it with that deep fake voice of mine to where I can just experience it and we're getting, we're putting in notes along the way. Um, and I'm just talking about it, just a traditional table read at this point. If we don't have much time, what we may do is Casey may read all of the guest parts. I may read my parts and just play music along the way. Uh, but the point being here is just to really, I don't know, savor that first listen that I have and have people together where I can say things like, but this, this, this is the question that's hitting me in my mind. And then Casey's like, oh, that's a, that comes up later on purpose because it's a, there's a twist or something that's happening. You're good. Just keep going. Uh, so it helps me to just kind of be very transparent about what I'm thinking along the way. Um, next up. Uh, so once we feel good about that, that might go back and forth a little bit. Uh, eventually, all roads lead to Pro Tools. And so here we are. Um, the most beautiful thing, the first question I asked about Descript when that popped up was, does it export an OMF or an AAF? And it does. Yay. That's incredible. So it exports it. We bring it into Pro Tools. And this is what it would look like straight out of Descript. At the top there, you see my narration. We have two different schools of thought on how we cut my narration. Uh, the first is. 95% of the time, I am a voiceless non-character in the in in the show. Uh, I'm not. I'm just taking us from point A to point B. In that case, we cut all of my breaths, which may sound weird, but we cut all of my breaths because that's an old um, documentary technique. Uh, before I started my company, I worked at the Discovery Channel doing just tons of documentary-style content. And when you when you when we had that just voice carrying you through a show, we would uh, cut all those breaths. Uh, but when I become a character in the show, or I'm bantering back and forth, uh, or if it's about me in, in some, for some reason, it, then those breaths come back. I'm a human again. Uh, so that's a technique that we use a lot. Uh, you can see some of the dialogue bites below that. With dialogue, we just treat that like a documentary or a film in general. We're uh, just as cleanly uh, editing that as humanly possible. 
Uh, we're uh, trying to extract little bits of clean noise that we can use for uh, our Isotope RX to do its thing. So we'll reduce that a little bit. Uh, midway through there, you see some, probably some YouTube clips or uh, some of the stereo stuff there in red are probably some sound design moments, just straight out of Descript. And then down at the bottom, you see the music tracks. Uh, in Descript, it's pretty crude the way we do it. We just throw it in there and we just want to get the vibe for it. But when we get into Pro Tools, we've got to customize that music because we want to, we like to punctuate the show um, between thoughts. I think of the show as almost just like 15 to 30 second vignettes just over and over and over and over and over again. You could, I haven't done this in a long time, but if you timed our show, there's gonna be some sort of audio change every 15-ish seconds. It'll either be a music start, a music stop, a sound design moment, sound design starting, stopping, me starting, uh, trans, uh, another voice coming in. Um, a voice, you know, a guest going to another guest. So there's lots of ways, but just we're always trying to kind of re-engage the listener. Because if we just talk, like we're doing up here, you just zonk out, because it's kind of boring. Um, so what we're doing with that music is we're trying to find, we're re-editing it to make sure that we can hit those beats and those thoughts in between. I might say something, and then we'll, but the music's still going, so we won't put a downbeat there, and then let the guest take it. So there's a lot of music editing that happens in this phase. Uh, this is the general dialogue processing chain that we think about. So not voice, voiceover, but we're going to, uh, the dialogue processing. Uh, we're going to edit it up. We're going to denoise it. Uh, usually 4 to 6 dB of a reduction, roughly. It just depends on how it was recorded. Uh, we're going to go through EQ. EQ is EQ. Some have better UI than others, but we use FabFilter because it just looks awesome. Uh, sounds good, too. And so uh, we're, we're uh, that's, you know, with, di with, uh, with dialogue or guests, we're changing that for every guest. Uh, De-essing, uh, S's scream in earbuds. And oh, so we're trying to reduce those pretty, by a pretty good bit. I'll go back to the EQ for a moment too. Um, our show, if you listen to it in a studio, will sound darker than most things. Uh, and that's entirely intentional. Um, sometimes we'll get feedback of like, I was listening in my BMW with my, you know, two subwoofers and these huge speakers, and it just sounds too muddy. And I'm like, you're 0.000% of, of who's listening. They're listening in earbuds. So we, we almost have to like mix the show in a way that we know will transfer to earbuds. So we, so it's still going to sound small in earbuds, but, uh, but it's a little bit more, um, mid-rangey of a show intentionally. Uh, all of those three things go into our, our fader pass. And in the fader, uh, everything in our show has, has volume automation with fingers, because that's where we really get the push and pull of the show. Uh, we don't just have like a line and push it into processing and then done. Uh, everything gets uh, finger passes on it. Denoise, that's where we're pushing it into the bus. There's another real-time uh, denoiser, Waves WNS or the Isotope denoise. That's Nice little warm blanket that just uh, clears out a little bit more noise. And then lastly, that pushes into our compressor. Uh, we use the FabFilter uh, one, but uh, any of them will do. But the keys that we think about a lot are super fast attack, usually about two to, two to six dB of attenuation, roughly. This is what my vocal chain looks like. So I use the SM7B with both switches engaged. That makes it brighter. 
that makes the, the SM7B as bright as it can be, uh, but it's still a dark, mid-rangey microphone. So you'll see it goes into the EQ. We're around 250. We're doing a super wide band, dipping it to bring even more uh, brightness to that. And still, this is a, uh, it still sounds um, darker uh, uh, than most other shows. We're pushing that into a de-esser to get rid of those S's. Uh, then it goes into the, the voiceover bus, gets that little warm blanket of the, the WNS, which is essentially just a multiband expander, but it just doesn't shut the audio signal off. And then that pushes into a compressor. Uh, same, same principle, fast attack, 3 to 6 dB of attenuation, finger passes going into it. This is what sound design may look like in this. This came from a do, uh, the Do Not Disturb episode from a while back. I can't remember exactly what was happening here, but that show is all about uh, notifications on your phones, and they're not that great. And so this is just a scene that was built out. Uh, I can't remember what the context was, but I'm, it could be you know cars driving and um, moments happening and beeps happening. I'm seeing something that looks like beeps in there. Uh, but yeah, so we're, we're just building it out. Uh, how we do that is through um, sound libraries, typically. Because we come out of a sound design studio, we just have r amazing resources uh, from the best recordists in the world and best sound designers who are selling these amazing sounds. So we, we curate a lot of that, in addition to making our own and, uh, uh, and whatnot. But uh, we do not just like open up the Finder or, or whatnot to try to find sounds or go to a website, because that's just an incredibly long process, just that, that delay. We use a sound effects databasing tool. Uh, the most popular in the TV and film world is SoundMiner, which is in front here. But there's an incredible one called Soundly that's just exponentially cheaper and uh, does a fantastic job. So we have both of these. Soundly, I recommend anyone that even would think about putting sound design in a show. Uh, Soundly is incredible, uh, and you can even buy sounds right out of the app. Uh, here's what um, our, our template kind of, how the template just goes uh, in Pro Tools. These, those, those four things at the top are our buses. Uh, so usually voiceover is just going to be me, maybe, I don't think there's going to, uh, oh, or a reporter. Like if someone's reporting a show, that'll go into the voiceover uh, bus as well. Dialogue is going to be our guests. Um, so we could have two to 10 guests. They're all going to filter into dialogue sound effects. So we can have anywhere from four to 400 tracks that are all going to filter into that stereo sound effects. Uh, music, so all of our music tracks are going to filter into that. Sound effects and music will combine at some point to create a M&E. These are things that are very TV oriented. So it's not critical that you do this stuff at all. Uh, but there's a reason why we do it, which I'll, I'll get to. Um, but yeah, it goes into a music and effects bus. Dialogue, sound effects, and music go into an MDE bus, uh, so that's music, dialogue, effects. This is essentially only those things minus my voice, and then all of that feeds into a final mix. Here's what a final mix may look like. Now, you only see the volume automation up on the buses. Those buses, uh, we, we do uh, the mixing, like finger passes on uh, our music buses because of the way that we want to build our archive and splits later on down the road. But if we turn this onto volume automation, you'd see that everything just has finger passes everywhere. So um, I, I believe that is part of the reason the show sound, I mean, many, many reasons, but that's one of the reasons. It's just definitely every moment has a human touch to it. Uh, but yeah, looking at that, the tops are our buses. The next bit there, they're all in blue. It's music. All the green looks like it's probably die, or that's voiceover. Um, 
and then the yellow is probably the, the guest bytes, and then everything below that's going to be sound design. Um, next up is these are our splits. This is what's really important about our show. So we create splits for all of our shows because we don't know if Pro Tools is going to be around in 10 years, but we want to make sure our show is uh, this particular show because oftentimes, or at least I've found, the only way that our show grows is if a big show comes along like a 99PI or a This American Life or a Radiolab and goes, oh, we love what you did here, but we, need, we want to make some changes. So we send them these splits. So they have everything they can do. They have the full mix. They have music dialogue effects. They have sound design only. They have voiceover only. They have dialogue only. All of these things are all split out. That's how we can collaborate with others so smoothly. Also, uh, if Pro Tools just goes away, we can unarchive and cha make changes to our show uh, with just the splits alone. All right, so we're going to get into some marketing. All right, so uh, we go through many rounds of audio review. Um, I would say mm, 10 to 15, sometimes even more. Uh, so as we've getting that all finalized, that's uh, usually when our art is showing up. So we contract a, uh, an original piece of artwork for each episode. Here's a few examples here. We have about four or five rotating artists we tend to work with. But we just like to have a nice, colorful image that pops that we can use on social media, newsletter, our website, kind of anywhere that episode appears. There's a nice image we can tie with it. Um, once everything's approved and good to go, we're going to schedule it. Our hosting platform is Megaphone. Um, we have a, uh, a premium listener feed, uh, so that's also scheduled through Megaphone. So uh, there's two ways people can get our premium content. One is through Glow, um, which is a yeah, a subscription service where people can sign up for a monthly or yearly contribution. They get a custom RSS feed that they can plug into their app of choice to access that premium feed. Um, and then the other one is the more recently launched Apple podcast, uh, their own in-house version, where you can just sign up right in the app in Apple. So on Megaphone, we've got our regular feed, 20,000 hertz plus. We can program it there, get everything good to go. Apple Podcast Connect. And then uh, once the episode launches, we've got a custom page for each episode. Um, here's an example of that with the artwork, uh, embedded web player, links to a couple different apps. You can get right to the episode. Uh, and yes, there's a transcript uh, for every episode we post that you know is great for not only search engine optimization, um, people can find just one little phrase that you might have mentioned somewhere in the show. They can find that through Google or through the website. And it's great for uh, listeners that might happen to be deaf or partially deaf. They can still um, enjoy the content and, and read, read along through the transcript. And then uh, once the show goes live, we, you know, it's just all about promotion, so we uh, We've got our newsletter there, a few examples. Uh, we'll you know, plug the new episode as well as maybe a few recent articles about sound or our premium feed, whatever we want to include. We'll make some headliner videos uh, or some audiograms. We used to use headliner, now we just use um, audiogram itself. Um, just little videos with little snippets from the show, maybe a sticky sound design moment or a nice factoid that we can post on social. We've got our subreddit, r slash 20k, so there's always a discussion happening there. And we've got our script. Um, accessible in Google Drive, so we can always, hey, like, hey, did we mention that one time in an episode? It's easy for us to just find it. Um, and at that point, it's just all about getting it out there. So we, uh, we hit up the guests to say, you know, thank you so much for being involved. The episode is now live. We'd love it if you'd share it with friends, colleagues. So here's an easy link you can do, you can use to do so. 
And we also have a meeting to strategize uh, right after a launch, like what other show might love to hear this. Uh, maybe they want to replay it. Maybe they just want to plug it on social, whatever the case may be. But uh, So we'll reach out to them, and we can include those mix and splits. So it's just a, a few clicks in case they did want to play it on their show. Um, yeah, and that, uh, that's kind of how, how we do it as soon as it comes out. So we only have a little over three minutes, uh, but we could get some questions if anybody has any. Um, while you're heading that way, I'll, I'll mention that um, with our show, the things that uh, we're probably actually going to be putting out some administrative assistant uh, jobs soon that are part-time because there's so much involved with that that we're running out of time. And uh, if you have want to pitch us on a show, go for it, uh, or even write for us. So yeah, Hi. So, hi. Uh, I'm fans of your show, uh, Jay, by the way. Uh, it's great content and everything. I'm just curious, with um, Dolby MOS around the corner, um, you know, like the, the immersive audio around the corner, uh, will you guys be considering mixing it in Atmos and then re-render it to different uh, format and stuff like that? If it sounds good. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I want to... <laughs> uh, yes, if it sounds good. I'll, I'll leave it at that. We are experimenting with it, but in many cases, I'm finding that it's just not the right intimacy sound for, for what, I can, what I want in my podcast. Uh, I like it to be very dry, very close, very intimate, like I'm right here. That's how I think of podcasts, whereas Atmos really starts to push it out beyond you. And I, I love podcasts because it's so close to me. So maybe. We're, we're definitely experimenting with it. Adam is my name. Um, during the production process, you talked about using Descript to you know, develop the episode outlines and scripts and VO and uh, grabs and all of that. I'm wondering if you do, do you do, you do a paper edit at all and feedback on that paper edit? Um, or is it basically straight to a rough audio mix? Um, typically, it's uh, more recently, it's just been into script. Um, and then we, like I said, export into Google Docs. So we can, I do find Docs to be a little quicker, smoother if you're just making big cut, paste, moving stuff around, typing, because you're not processing audio in real time like you are into script. But that's why we kind of like to bounce between the two. Just, you know, if we're, if we're just going to do crazy edits, like I just said, maybe do it in Docs and then make those changes into script. Yeah, anyone else? Um, we use just Docs, Google Docs, for ads and things. And we've only been using Descript for a few months consistently. So it was all Google Docs before that. Hi, Raul Muñoz from Mexico. I love your show. Very fan of your show. I wanted to know, I know this show, it's uh, some uh, back, uh, back end for your actual business. How this show has given you leverage for your strategy or business strategy? That's a good question. Um, I thought of the show as kind of like, oh, it could be kind of content marketing, but I hate content marketing, marketing so much that it used to be um, from de facto sound, you're listening to 20,000 hertz. And I cut that very quickly because it felt wrong. Uh, it, but we do put the thing that it is, it is de facto sound. It's that team that creates this. So it is the very first credit. Um, I've abandoned the, the content marketing idea for the direct one-to-one -one with de facto. I treat them completely independent from each other because People can sniff if I'm if we're trying to sell something, uh, and in the vast majority of the show, this is a this is a general audience show, and so 
99.999% of the people who listen to it will not work with my sound design company. If anything, I'll say it's strengthened the relationships that I have with the people that we work with on this side. It has um, greased the wheels to get very large contracts just because of uh, there have been sound designers and people who listen to it at these major companies that we've started to, to pair up with. But I would say we're almost like anti uh, advertising on that. I want it to just be 20,000 hertz itself. Boom. Zero, zero, zero. So I think we have to leave it at that. <laughs> uh, but we're going to be around. Thanks.